My name is Amber Berenger, and um, I will be your speaker for this evening. Um, before we get started, I just wanted to take a moment to thank Darcy and the wonderful group of volunteers that have came here this evening and put the show on for you guys. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, and I'm always one of those people that if I'm going to get started on something that's God-led, let's do it with a prayer. Okay? So here we go. Dear Lord, thank you so much for just this opportunity to come together. Thank you for this time that we can come before you and in your house, taking the moment, the time, the dedication to spend it with you. We pray that your spirit would just be with us this evening and uh, guide our hearts and our minds and uh, help us to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right. So, like I said, my name is Amber Berenger. Um, kind of, if some of you know me, I'm an introvert. Don't really like to talk in front of people. Rather just be sitting out there. Um, so I've been coming here since, oh gosh, and I am breathing really heavy. Is that fun? Literally, I've never had one of these before in my, on my face. Is that better? Does that look like it's a little bit further away? Okay. So my heart's like... Uh, but um, I've been coming here since July of 2009. So if you haven't seen my face, introvert right here. This is why. And believe you me, I volunteered in several different areas of the church, but I'd rather not talk in front of people. <laughs> but um, so I'm on the board. I've been on the board for about two and a half years, and I've, I've served on, uh, had the privilege of serving on the finance committee uh, a little bit longer because I did that. Uh, for a while before I joined the board. Um, so back in, let's see, when was it? I think it was November. I don't know if you guys have heard of this organization or not. It's called LeaderCast. Um, they do um, like simulcast type things. Well, anyway, I went to this women's event and just had this tug, 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 tug on my heart from God. And he's talked to me a lot over the years. And like a fabulous Christian, Okay, God, no, not going to do it, not going to do it. But he was like, Amber, I need you to talk. Need you to do it, need you to do it. So I contacted Darcy, and she was just fabulous, and we kind of talked through what event I would come and speak to. And guess what? That's why I'm here. <laughs> so why I'm here is um, kind of want to share a little bit of my story. Um, we all have a story to tell, and I feel like that's probably the best way to illustrate God's love. That's why we're here tonight, to talk about real love. The real love that God can give you, that nobody else on this planet can give you except for him. That's just the way it is. And so, with that being said, um, what I kind of, how I want to dissect this little story is that um, I had a paternal grandmother who was really kind of an inspiration to me. Love that woman dearly. She was probably what I would consider the most matriarchal person in my life, if you will. And uh, she passed away back in September. So that's still pretty, pretty new, um, especially because she lived a few hours away. So I remember getting off of work several times a week, and I would just call her up because that's kind of how we just communicated was I would just call her up. I know a lot of people just like to text or let me send you a Facebook message or whatever, but 
Her and I were old school. We just like to chat <laughs> about whatever. So I would call her up all the time, and uh, I still get that whenever I'm off work and I'm driving to, to go and pick my kiddos up. You know, I want to reach for that phone to give her a call, but I can't. Aside from that, um, she always had these great one-liners, and she said that if you really want to kind of, like, drop some knowledge on somebody, if you will, or kind of influence them, what you're going to want to do is do those quick one-liners. People aren't going to want to listen to you just blabber on and on and on about whatever, but those one-liners. So for this evening, I'd like to break down some stories and um, buy some one-liners that she gave me. And uh, sorry, a little bit nervous. Um, and hopefully I don't get too terribly emotional. <laughs> the first one-liner that she gave me that if anybody has any relatives in their, their life, you always hear the same stories, like over and over and over again. And you're like, God, Grandma, why are you telling me the same story over and over again? And, well, it's because it means something different to them each time they tell you. And then in different phases of your life, you're going to hear it differently. So I think that's why my grandma continued to try to give me this wisdom. And uh, one of the sayings that she would say is, uh, you cannot give what you do not have. You cannot give what you do not have. And she'd often tell me that, and um, I think it resonated a lot with our family. Um, So a little bit about me. Um, I was raised, well, I was born into a family that was probably not the most orthodox family. We had a lot of problems. We had a lot of issues. And uh, one of those started from when I kind of came into the picture, if you will. Um, I was born to uh, a mother and father who were, gosh, they were just scrambling to try to keep their marriage alive. They both had their first child when they were 18, right around the time that they graduated high school. And then uh, my father joined the service. They were stationed overseas. And then while they were over there, they had another child, and then they had another child. And that third child was me. And let me tell you, they really didn't need a third child. They probably didn't even need a second child, but that's kind of what happened. Um, during that time, uh, from what I understand, because obviously I was very young at that time, um, it was a very volatile relationship. There was just a lot of, a lot of issues, a lot of turmoil. And uh, with that being said, for whatever reason, whether it be that, whether it be the upbringing of my mother, she decided to leave. And whenever she left, I was a year old. So I set this stage to help you understand that for the next umpteen years, I'm now 33, um, she has been in and out of my life. She's kind of one of those people that you would call a weekend mom. And honestly, I don't even know if I would say she was a weekend mom. She was one of those people that would kind of just show up. And you'd be like, oh, this is fantastic. This is great. And then she'd be gone. And you'd have no idea why legitimately no idea why. And I remember several times growing up, whenever we were young, we would, when times were good with visiting her, uh, we'd go and visit her. We'd have all of our toys and our clothes and different things like that. And then before I know it, she'd be gone. But the next time I would see her, she would not have anything of ours. No clothes, no toys, no nothing, no possessions. And we'd be like, well, that's not great. And then she'd promise you the moon and back. 
she'd be like, oh, I'll get you this, I'll get you that, I'll get you this, I'll get you that. And always fall through on those promises. Well, later on in life, I found out the reason why she was gone. She was in jail (laughs) several times over. Um, Unfortunately, that would happen multiple times in her life because of DUIs and driving on expired license or, you know, suspended license and things like that. Um, But the reason why this saying, you cannot give what you do not have, I believe with my whole heart that this woman loved me. I absolutely have no doubt in my mind that she loves me. But she cannot give me what she does not have. She simply does not have it in her heart and in her ability to be the mom that I needed whenever I was a kiddo or what I need now. And even though I'll call her up now and we'll chat and things like that, she'll start promising me things. She'll start promising things for my kids and so on and so on. And it's the same repetitive behavior because of that breakdown of her not realizing that's the problem is that you have to stop trying to promise me things and give it up to God. So I'm not really sure if that will change with her, but at the same token, you know, you just have to give it up to God. Another saying that my grandmother said was, sometimes your best is just not good enough. Sometimes your best is just not good enough. Many, many years ago, I was going through a very rough time in my life. Oh, my goodness. Man, I think whenever you become a young adult, you think, well, it's so-and-so's fault, or, oh, well, it was my upbringing. And sometimes you just have to look at yourself. It's really really your fault, and you really kind of need to dig yourself out. Well, during this period of time, it it was just a rough, rough time, and it was the lowest point I'd ever been in my life. And I was, I was still very young, um, looking at some of you, and some of you are really young. And one thing that I've learned is that you never know how young you are until after the facts. Because even right now, I'm not going to realize how young I am until 10 years from now. So kind of keep that in mind. But um, uh, I remember, this is kind of a little bit of an emotional story. I remember um, being at this low point and uh, a person that I cared very deeply for told me, well, you just need to fix this. This is your fault. You just need to fix this. Coming from being raised and feeling abandoned by my mother, it's probably not the best thing at that point in my life to hear is this is your fault. Fix it. I'm not going to be with you while you try to fix this, but fix it. So that plagued me. That just broke me down to where went to the bathroom, and I was like, okay, I'm done. Whatever pills was in that bathroom, I took. It didn't matter what it was, just emptied them. I have no idea what it was. Honestly, couldn't tell you. Boy, was that stupid. (laughs) You don't realize it in the moment how stupid your decision is. But I remember laying on the bathroom floor, whether it was emotions, feelings, the effects of whatever I was taking, 
I was ready to end it. I was ready to be done with it all. Why continue to be in a world where it was this rough? The people that I cared about didn't care, right? That was not true. That same grandmother was on the other side of that door. I had locked it, of course, because I was done. Um, And she's banging on that door. Amber, Amber, what is going on? What is going on? I was just like, I couldn't answer. I was just laying on that floor. And then I heard a small, still voice that said, get up. Get up. I was like, no, no, I don't want to do it. I just want to be done. But thank God I listened to that voice and opened that door because then my grandmother could see I needed some medical assistance. Sometimes your best just isn't good enough. I had tried for so many years, so many years, from the shame of my family to try to make my life better, to try to appear on the outside to everybody better. I carried the weight of my entire family on my shoulders. Or at least I felt like I had to. wasn't necessarily true, but I felt that I had to. And still yet, I had family members that would tell me that, well, because you're not your brothers, you're not that important. Because you're not my child, you're never going to be as important to me as my own child. Or, I don't love you that much. I care about you, but I don't really love you. Oh, man. Daggers. Absolute daggers. I thought, wait a minute, let me get this straight. So I've overcome this, come out of the crappy childhood that I came from, came out of the poverty area that I came out of, joined the military, got my college degree, got my act together. What do you mean I'm not good enough? Sometimes your best just isn't good enough. But I think moving beyond that, is realizing that God's good enough. God is good enough. doesn't matter what expectations we put on each other. doesn't matter what expectations we put on ourselves. God is good enough. He thinks you're good enough, no matter what everybody else thinks. Man. Another saying that my grandmother would always say, and I think in all seriousness, this one she said for herself. It takes a lifetime to get over your childhood. Some of you might be a little young to understand that, but boy, it does. Good or bad, whatever type of life you come from, there are just some things this is going to take you forever to get over, or it's going to innately be with you. And I bring that up because when I was about three years old, I had a family member who began to molest me. This person did this until I was about 11 years old. My family knew. My family thought they intervened. 
and they thought that they took care of the situation, and unfortunately they did not. I think all the signs were there, um, but either they just turned a blind eye or just just didn't want to believe what had happened. I think sometimes it's hard for us to take a look at ourselves and realize that maybe we're not doing what we need to be doing. And I think as a parent, sometimes that just is really hard to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and know that once again, you're good enough is not good, good enough. So I remember distinctly whenever my family found out about the situation and, uh, I remember my mother, my birth mother, is kind of how I refer to her, um, going up to come from a very small town, probably like 1,100 people. And I remember her going up to the local um, legion, auxiliary legion, if you will, and got rip-roaring drunk. Whoever was there, she told. She told everybody that would listen. This plagued me until I graduated and left that small town. It plagued me because of the friends that people would let me, their parents would or would not let me hang out with them. Once again, it was that shoulder effect of feeling like I had to take on taking care of my family, you know, and and presenting them in a good light. It's really, really frustrating. (laughs) Um, I remember the social workers coming in, and I had to go through a diagram and point everything out and explain what had happened. That happened when I was five. So it it started when I was three, and then I went through that ordeal when I was five. But it didn't stop until I was 11. And I'll tell you why it stopped when I was 11. I remember as clear as day, which is interesting because I really don't remember most of my childhood. It was really pretty bad that I just blocked most of it out. Just kind of take some of it in. And, but this day, this moment, I remember it distinctly. I remember that I was in a house with several adults. But I was in the, a room, even though the door was open, with this adult who molested me for years. And this person was up to their old ways again. And I remember at one moment, I just closed my eyes and thought, okay, this is either going to continue because nobody's coming to my rescue or it can stop now because I make it stop. So once again, I heard that still voice, that still, still voice. And I listened to it and I said, stop. And I just got up, I looked at this person, and I said, this will not happen again. Leave me alone. And from that moment forward, it changed my life. The person did not touch me again and did not affect me. But I really give the credit to God for that. I was 11 years old, having gone through several years of feeling shame and guilt and the effects of such a thing. Because I remember several times, my family just did not understand what it meant to be 
a victim of sexual abuse because they tried to just sweep it under the rug. They didn't want to think about it. They didn't want to worry about it. They still continuously put me in situations with this person. And even whenever I was seven, they left me alone with um, another person who molested me. Thankfully, that was just an isolated event. But they just did not know what to do. So praise God that God was right there with me every step of the way. The last saying that I kind of wanted to share with you guys this evening that my grandmother often said was, we are all born with a hole in our soul. We are all born with a hole in our soul. I believe she said that because of the type of family that we came from. My grandmother came from an alcoholic family. Granted, she came from, well, the people that I did meet and that are still alive to this day are some really, really sweet people, but they do have a lot of problems. And uh, her father, my grandmother's father, was an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic. And then on my grandfather's side, his father was an alcoholic, and his father was an alcoholic. So was my grandfather, and so was my father. They were all alcoholics. Then we also have, let's add some cigarette smoking. Pretty nasty, <laughs> in my opinion. Um, and let's add some drug abuse into the mix. Hole in your soul. I personally believe that hole can only be filled by the Lord Jesus Christ. And not for some vanity sake, but for the sake that if you seek all of these other things, they're not going to lead you down the path that you want to. It's not going to be the best you that you can be. The peace that only God gives you. So my family... My family, what's left, is what I would c probably consider uh, my siblings, and then I have a, a few extended family members, because my family is beginning to shrink. And the last three and a half years, I've lost my father, my grandfather, and my grandmother, and um, have a couple of other relatives that are in the hospital due to different, different health issues. Uh, but my father, who is an alcoholic, um, he died at 51. He ended up having an aneurysm in his chest that caused a heart attack. This happened because of alcoholism. I can't tell you for how many years after moving out. I moved out when I was 18 because I joined the, the military. If somebody would open up a can of soda, like hearing that pop sound, which sends shivers down my spine because I remember him drinking, uh, well, I think he liked Miller, but really pretty much any can of beer, to be terribly honest, but it was always a can of beer, so he would pop it, he'd open it, and I would hear it, and I would shudder and think, oh my God, what kind of night is going to be tonight? Because he was just, he was actually a pretty sweet person. He was kind of goofy, kind of silly, 
um, did love the Lord, I would actually contribute my knowledge of the Lord to my father. But boy, when he drank, he was the complete opposite. He really was the absolute complete opposite. So I believe that he honestly drank himself to death. He just couldn't help it. I think he wanted a better life with absolutely everything in me, but did not know how to do it. And then with my grandfather, he was also an alcoholic. He was in his 70s when he passed. And one thing about when you're in your 70s, you got to really take good care of your body. Things just don't work like they used to whenever you're younger. And for him, he would get up in the morning, drink one cup of coffee, and begin to drink. He may or may not eat that day at all, and he would just drink until he passed out every day. Every single day. Until one day, he fell. Fell in the kitchen, hit his head, and was rushed to the emergency room, and did not come back. That was pretty difficult. My grandmother had some hard decisions to make. She already had COPD in stages of that for years of smoking. And uh, she had to make those final decisions for him. Now fast forward about a year, maybe a little over a year, my grandmother's health was failing. And like I said, she had the end stages COPD she still continued to smoke. She was even on oxygen 24-7. Whew, what a dangerous situation. But she still did it. So it was tough. It was really, really tough because when she finally got bad enough, she went to the hospital and they put a tracheotomy tube in her and I had to be the one to say, take it out. Because at that point, there was nothing that was working did that on a Sunday at around 11 a.m. She passed about 10.10 that night. Your actions affect those around you, especially when there's an addiction involved, because I will never get the image of my grandmother gasping for air out of my mind ever. It's one of those things that you just have to give to God and know that she is in a much better place. She does not have those afflictions anymore, that addiction that she had to smoking cigarettes or the grief that she had from living with an alcoholic person for as many years as she did. Now, these are really tough situations, hard things to hear. And I'm sure that some of you probably have a lot of this similar things in your own life. And some of this might not even be grazing the surface of how hard things have been for you guys. But I can tell you right now, the only thing that has helped me to get through this is Jesus. I remember very distinctly being, oh gosh, maybe six I would go and visit my grandparents, and they lived out in the country, and I would take walks. 
back in this little rural area, you didn't have to worry about somebody getting kidnapped or something like that. So I could go take a country walk by myself. And I would just walk, and I'd just talk to God, just tell him all about my thoughts, you know, feeling like he wanted to hear. Um, And I still like to do that to this day because I feel like he does listen, and he does care. There may be afflictions that have happened to you, maybe somebody that you know, somebody that you care about, but he does care, absolutely does care. It's not his desire to see horrible things happen to us, but to help us get through it, for sure. So you cannot give what you do not have. Sometimes your best just isn't good enough. It takes a lifetime to get over your childhood. And we're all born with a hole in our soul. Those are some pretty heavy one-liners. But for sure, our God is enough. I believe... I believe that we are all here for a reason. Not just on, in this world, but right here, right now. I believe you are sitting in the seat that you are sitting in right now for an absolute reason. Whether you are a believer or whether you are not, and you're just here because somebody just invited you, I believe God has a divine appointment for your life. And that can be now if you choose for it to be. Or it can't. I sure hope it is, though. I'm thankful for all of you coming here. I truly am. Man, there's a lot of other things you could be doing on a Sunday night. Getting ready for the work week, getting ready for the school week. But you're here, spending your time with us and hearing this message. If it's okay with you, I'd like to take a moment to offer up a prayer for any of you. I'd like to do a salvation call, which basically just means if with everybody's eyes closed, heads bowed, if you want to take this moment to become saved, want to join a family, a group of believers that want to walk with you, all you have to do is just raise your hand. We're not going to call you out. We're not going to make you feel, you know, nervous or anxious or anything like that. But if you'd like to, I'd love to pray for you. Well, let me just bless you all. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for this opportunity to be with these lovely ladies. Thank you for your presence. Lord, you are beautiful and holy, and we so appreciate you. Change our lives. Change our lives for the better. Bring us peace. Bring us understanding that only you can bring us. Lord, we glorify your name, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray.
you, Amber. It's hard sharing your story, but I appreciate you being obedient to God, Amber, and sharing with us. And even though there have been some very difficult things that she's gone through, the main thing that I heard through all of it is that God is with us through all of it. 